We continue today where we left off a week ago. In the first reading, we are coming almost immediately after what we heard last week Peter proclaim. So let's remind ourselves where we were with Peter and John just a week ago. So Peter and John were in the temple. They were going up to the temple, and they healed a crippled man in front of many people, in front of thousands of people. And they started preaching Jesus. And then the chief priests and the elders arrested them, brought them in for to try them, and basically ask, what name are you preaching in? Why are you preaching in this name? And then Peter starts this speech, and we come here to this portion of that speech, in which he ends that speech by saying this. There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. I'll say that one more time. There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. As a bold statement by Peter. But it shows just how convicted he is of who Jesus is and what he did. Because this is the truth. This is what Jesus came to reveal to us, is that he is the Savior, is that he is the one who has come to free us from sin and eternal death. And there is no other name through which we can receive that salvation. This is what's called the missionary mandate. Peter, in this speech, is reflecting and living and preaching the missionary mandate. Is that we, as the baptized, are called to tell people about Jesus. Are called to bring him to people. Are called to proclaim the same truth that Peter proclaimed very boldly. And it's not about, you know, sometimes we think about this and we think, oh, that's just for like, you know, some of the more mainline Protestants who are proselytizers, who can sometimes be belligerent, or even some Catholics whom we know who are just very doom and gloom. No, that's not what this is about. It's about bringing people to know what Christ has done and what they may miss. It's about love. It's about love. There's a story about a prominent celebrity, somewhat prominent, a guy named Pin Gillette, whom you may have heard, heard of. He's a magician, also very well known that he is an atheist. And he actually, he has an interesting story that he tells himself. You can find, if you go on YouTube, you search his, you search him, you search a video called The Gift of a Bible. He tells a story that at one of his talks or shows or whatever, you know, you have 
you have the talk, you have the show, and then people come up, you know, you want to ask questions, you know, say, you know, just give a comment or a compliment or something. And he said there was this one guy who was standing off to the side in, you know, like the hover position, which if you know, like from having taught a class before or having spoken in front of people, it's like, you know, you see them out of the corner of your eye, they're kind of off to the side and you know that they're waiting to talk to you, but they're not, they're kind of waiting for the opportunity. This guy came up to him, just complimented him on the show, and then handed him a Bible with a note inside and just not being, you know, pushy or anything, just like, I wanted to give this to you as a gift. And, you know, inside the Bible was some information that they could, um, you can see kind of him retelling this whole story. But it's interesting as he kind of gives this short little five-minute retelling of this encounter he had with this Christian. He says this, I find so fascinating and so true. He says, if you believe, truly believe, there is a heaven and a hell, if you truly believe in eternal life, if you truly believe in eternal life in heaven and eternal death in hell, and that it's possible for someone to experience both, both the joys of heaven and the joy, the pains, excuse me, of hell, why would you not, how could you not tell people about it? How could you not want people to know that? Now, to my knowledge, and I've done a little bit of research into him, it doesn't seem like this man converted, but how many maybe, because of that little story he recounted, maybe saw something? Because he saw something in that man that piqued his interest. He give you another story, another thing that actually just happened recently. As you know, as I've mentioned, I was just away for a week at Mundelein Seminary attending a program run by the Institute of Priestly Formation where they're doing a training in spiritual direction. On the last night, me and a couple of guys who were on the program went out to eat. And one, we were, you know, just finished the meal. We were getting the check. The waitress came up. And one of the guys, just very, you know, not imposing, not very invitational, said to the waitress, you know, said, hey, we're uh, all five of us here. We're all Catholic priests. Um, Is there any way that we can pray for you? And the the waitress turned to us and said, well, yes, my mother just died this past week. Um, So if you could pray for her and for me in that, that would be great. And right then and there, we just took time and we just said a prayer for her, for her family, and for her mother. And how different would that lady's, that waitress's life been if we hadn't been willing to ask that question? If he, if that, that priest who I just met, the priest who was 
on that training, who was with us at that dinner, hadn't been willing to ask and invite her into that space. See, that's the thing we have to keep in mind. When we look at Peter, sometimes in the statement like this, it can seem like he's being belligerent or kind of doom and like fire and brimstone, but he is speaking out of love. That is why we preach Jesus. That's why the missionary mandate is so important. It's about love. It's about the fact that we have seen the Lord. We have come to know him. And we know what he has done for us. How he has saved us from the pains of hell. How if we are faithful to him, if we cling to him, if we live in him, then we will have joy forever. That in him, in being baptized in him, in being rooted and claimed by him, we can have life eternal. And that drives us to be bold and to preach and to desire what Jesus desires. We hear today in the gospel what Jesus desires, what God desires for everyone. It is very simple. That they would be one in him. Listen again to what he says. I am the good shepherd. I know mine and mine know me. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. That is him crying out to us. There are others who I want to be in my flock. There are others who are destined to be with me for eternity, but they need to hear my voice. They need to hear me. And that's where we come in. And no, it does not mean we need to be obnoxious. It does not mean we need to, you know, like the stereotype, just pound the Bible at people, hit people overhead with the Bible. No, it means that we, like that man with Pendulette, like that priest with the waitress, is an invitation. It is showing love to others. Showing them like, hey, I love you enough that I don't want to risk that you could be without Jesus for eternity. That you would be without joy for eternity. That's what it's about. That is where our missionary spirit comes from. That is where Jesus desires us to live. That is how Jesus desires us to act, is to be love, to be penetrated by his desire for all people to be one. And so that is what we pray for today on this Good Shepherd Sunday, is that we would have the strength and the courage and the love for our fellow man, 
love enough to proclaim him to them, to let them know who he is. May we have that grace. May we pray for that grace. Jesus, grant us that grace.